Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss the significant challenges facing China and the US, and how the precarious global economy may lead investors to reach their own conclusions. With Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Maya Welford, Behavioural Finance Expert, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to another edition of Words on the Street. This week, we are joined by a returning favourite guest, Maya Welford, who works with Rob Swift and the others in our behavioural finance team. Great to have you on today, Maya. And we also have Will to give us the latest from the world in amongst a still very cluttered news agenda. So, Will, let's start with you. What's been going on? Hello, Sarah. Hello, hello, Maya. Hello, everyone. Yes, you're right. It's still cluttered. I would try or we would the team i mean as you know i'm distilling all of their hard work there's broadly speaking a couple of strands to think of when looking at global investment markets at the moment and all of those are in sort of motion at the moment so first and we've talked about this before there's the growing realization that the battle with inflation is not done there's some patchy reassurance to be had from some of the data in some of the developed world but it's far from convincing Meanwhile, so far, the damage done by the banking crisis in the US seems manageable, dare I say it. And this all adds up to the potential for yet more interest rate rises in the path ahead from various central bankers, UK included. So second, you've had another batch in this week as a good example. You've had a batch of lead and other indicators, again, reaffirming the likely a likely swoon in the path ahead for the US and global economy. There are some offsetting factors, but there still appears to be an economic price to pay for the interest rate rises already enacted. And you and I have discussed that before. I'm, I'm doing more than a couple now. But I think third, and this is sort of something we wrote about this week, you've had a bunch of data out of China, which on balance has kind of both dampened some of the hopes around a recovery beyond consumer services in China, but has also increased expectations of stimulus from Chinese policymakers, which we also saw a bit. And then finally, you know, the AI jibber jabber continued to swell so and you know i've talked to as well many times about this but still many times more i'm sure many times more as well we'll try not to join the hype um but i want to join the hype i think it's it's interesting It is interesting, I agree. Yeah, but I guess, you know, we can talk people into the ground about it. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's still a difficult short term picture balanced out by a potentially very attractive medium to long term picture for investors. It's obviously the latter, which uh, for the serious long term investors as the former is mostly already pretty accurately priced, with a few exceptions, which our crack team of tactical investors are already exploring, obviously. Excellent. Thank you, Will. And one of the other things that I've been reading a bit about recently is this narrow equity market where very few stocks are actually leading the charge higher in the US, which might be suggesting some vulnerability. What's your take on that? Uh, yes, well, actually, that is partly this AI theme, which is seen as playing into the hands of these kind of very large tech companies already deeply entangled in the research and the, you know, the exploitation of this new technological breakthrough. Now, a few days ago, I think you could point out, it's a bit different now, but you could point out that in dollar terms, the seven largest companies in the US stock market had seen a rally rise by an average of just over 50% this year. It's amazing, yeah. Where... Whereas 
the other 493 were flat on average. And like I say, it's a bit less stark now, but um, as there's been a bit of a change in emphasis, but still. Now, is it a cause for concern? I guess that's the question. And intuitively, I think we can say that healthy bull markets tend to be broader based. The narrower you are in terms of stocks and sectors, you're implicitly logically exposed to more concentrated risks, you know, regulatory, macroeconomic and you know, stock specific events to borrow from a former Prime Minister. However, I'm not sure I would put too much on it, to be honest. Breadth, waxes and wanes, you can find some relationship to stock market pullbacks, but it's certainly not cast iron. And it wouldn't be a signal in and of itself to pull out. As you'd expect, the team's done quite a lot of work on this over the years. But again, again, I mean, we would point out that if you want to play the AI theme, you probably want to take a broader perspective. I would point you to an interesting and optimistic piece by tech investor, among other things, Mark Andresen, why AI will save the world. Uh, if you're looking for some far out ideas of what this tech could do and where the biggest effects could be felt, uh, there's a lot of doom mongering to, you know, or, or, or not mongering, but there's a lot of concern and caution around the world about this as well, uh, just to balance that. But I think, you know, you've got to read both sides of the story. That's always helpful advice. It feels like we've got past the debt ceiling. So with that not to talk about anymore, what more do we have to face? What should we be worrying about? Yes, all of the above. I mean, China China uh, remains precariously balanced, as we covered in that weekly article on LinkedIn in a bit more detail. A recession may still be in the path ahead. Meanwhile, war in Ukraine still rages. You know, US-China relations remain, you know, fragile to say the least. The fact is that there will always be enough bad or worrying news to fill a 24-hour news feed in a world this big and complicated, as you know. However, remember, and I think this is, you know, these are points that I borrow from Meyer and Rob all the time, but the long-term investor in a way is, an envi- is in an envious position relative to the central bankers and policymakers kind of wrestling with the moment. Such an investor can take solace in simple global diversification and future returns kind of reasonably reliably tethered to future human ingenuity, I think. And that's what you're seeing at the moment at the AI point. And just the thing I hear from Rob and Meyer most, you know, jolting news headlines are mostly to be serenely ignored. A function of the need to sell news rather than provide an accurate reflection of the trajectory of the world that really affects diversified investments, portfolios and funds that we run. So it's always that same point. I'm really boring. I know. I'm sorry. But just keep your eye on the horizon, not the near term. I love I love that point. I love that. So, but it, actually, Maya, it seems like the perfect time to bring you in and maybe hear a little bit of different wisdom today. But I know... You, I hope I haven't stolen your lines, Maya. Well, Sorry. feel, free, feel yeah. free to say it again. But I know you've been thinking about the problem of jumping to conclusions, or at least the instinct that we all have to jump to conclusions and how that might hurt us as investors. So can you tell us a little more about what you're thinking here? Yeah, definitely. And hi, Sarah. Hi, Will. Great to be back on the podcast. And definitely to Will's point, boring is good sometimes. So there's no harm in repeating the message and being boring sometimes. But yeah, on to... The- That's a relief. <laughs> That's such a relief. <laughs> to say. That's a relief to hear you say but on the on the point about kind of jumping to conclusions, and Rob and I have been thinking about that quite a lot over the past few weeks. So as individuals, we do like to think that we're rational and that we consider all inf- information presented to us in a really objective way. But as I'm sure you and listeners will know, this is very much far from reality. We're not very rational and we don't necessarily consider all the information presented to us. So despite all the information available, we actually often form conclusions almost straight away. So minds are made up long before we make it through all the evidence and weigh it all up. 
And actually some academic research has shown that even after actually paying money to acquire and share more information, people don't fully incorporate this new information into their judgments if they've already formed a conclusion. So what this really tells us is that we form conclusions very, very quickly. And once these decisions are made or we've got some views that we hold, it's very unlikely that we'll go back on these. That's really interesting. So maybe in the context of investing, maybe if we've jumped to the conclusion that we want to buy the latest in-trend tech stock, and that's the client belief that we hold, then actually clients are really unlikely to be influenced by anything else when they're making subsequent decisions. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly it, Sarah. And, you know, jumping to conclusions can be helpful sometimes. Making quick decisions can obviously be helpful, but definitely less so at other times. So especially when we think about getting invested or investing some more, there are many behavioral barriers around this that come into play. And if someone's jumped to the conclusion that investing isn't for them without really considering information objectively, then it can be harmful for long-term financial goals. Similarly, if someone's jumped to the conclusion that they want to invest in tech stocks, this might be beneficial to them. However, going back to Will's point around forming a diversified portfolio, investing um, for the long term and making sure that you're diversified, this might not necessarily be the best conclusion that you're holding. That's interesting. So what else might be at play here? Yeah, so when we when we think about kind of compounding the pro- problem, once we've reached a conclusion, as I mentioned earlier, the research has shown time and time again that we're unlikely to change our mind, even when we're provided with new evidence that contradicts that. And actually, this, this behavior, these findings will come as very little surprise to anyone who knows about the confirmation bias. And this is something that I speak about a lot, both to clients and, and, and colleagues as well. So it's our natural tendency to find, interpret, favor and recall information in a way that supports someone's pre-existing opinions or beliefs. So if you hold a pre-existing view or belief, any information that kind of comes into your awareness, you're more likely to interpret that in a way that agrees with this view or belief if you're experiencing this thing called the confirmation bias. And this bias or tendency is a real issue when it, when we think about investing. So for example, going back to what I shared earlier, if you hold the view that investing is very risky and doesn't lead to good outcomes often, and you're experiencing the confirmation bias, then it, the chances are you're likely to interpret any inf, inf, any other information in a way that aligns with this belief. And then obviously on the flip side, someone can experience the confirmation bias in the opposite direction. So if you've got someone who holds a positive view of investing, they'll interpret subsequent information more optimistically if they're experiencing the confirmation bias. While this can be helpful, it's also really important that we're mindful and aware of over-optimism because this could lead to risky outcomes, for example, not being diversified and not thinking for the long term. So I can spot a bit of myself in there, Maya. So um, I might... Yeah, I was just thinking it explains my long st- continuing love of microwave curry, apart from anything else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Clearly went for it early. Brilliant. Okay, I'm trying to get that picture out of my head. Um, so, <laughs> it's delicious, honestly. Anyway, um, Maya, am I right to think in that situations where information requires no interpretation or is far more straightforward, for example, finding the cheapest broadband provider, it's easier to make accurate reasoned decisions. So actually then coming to a quick conclusion might actually lead to a good outcome or the right answer. But actually, this is quite different in the case of investing. 
decision. Yeah, exactly. So to your point, when it's, you know, a quite simple, straightforward decision, when there's not that many options available, and, and it's quite easy to make those comparisons when you're coming with up to, with a decision. For example, the, the, the case that you just shared around finding the cheapest broadband provider. Yes, or potentially, much- potentially deciding to have a curry microwave meal. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. that's that's okay. quite easy, quite straightforward. But when we think about the context of investing, it's uncertain. We can't fully predict the future. Investors are faced with information that can be really difficult to filter. There can be information overload and significant interpretation is required before we form opinions around the economy and the future investments. Well, this significant interpretation is required if we want to form useful and valuable opinions rather than just very rash decisions and opinions. So this could lead investors to jump to conclusions more because of this cognitive load that surrounds making investing decisions. So it's cognitively easier to jump to conclusions given the complexity and the volume of information required to be interpreted. So next question, what can investors do to prevent the downfall of jumping to conclusions? Yeah, so Sarah, that's a really, really great question. And something that we remind our clients and listeners about time and time again is this importance of having a long-term plan. So keeping in mind that long-term time horizon. So in in addition to this, a long-term strategic asset allocation, which uh, ensures diversification. We've got a team of experts focused on this here in our chief investment office team. So they do the hard work on the client's behalf. And this really can be used to provide the comfort, the emotional comfort, that there's a great deal of thought that goes into the investment decisions. But also in addition to this, a further point of reassurance is our tactical asset allocation strategy. So we've got team members solely focused on this and the work also that our manager selection team do, whose process is built on a time-tested framework to choose best-in-class funds. So essentially in terms of what investors can do to prevent the downfalls of jumping to conclusions, it's really seeking comfort and and reminding yourselves that there is a whole great kind of deal of work and thought that goes into the investments that clients are making. Uh, brilliant. And yeah, I guess the investment process you've just mentioned really have been designed to remove the likelihood of jumping to conclusions and other behavioural or cognitive biases. So I think you've left us on a kind of a positive note to end. So thank you. So Maya, thank you very much for joining us. Will, thank you. And thank you, listeners. Look forward to speaking to you all again soon for another Word on the Street. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.